Well, folks, sorry to split up your conversations. Um, so Chantelle's not here. She is in Nottingham. She uh, she's was, in fact, she'll be there now. She, she's at Trent Vineyard, which is uh, one of the uh, bigger vineyard churches in England. And uh, she was at the uh, commissioning service of, uh, of our new national directors, a.k.a. archbishops. Um, John and Eleanor Mumford, uh, who faithfully led and planted the first vineyard church in London many years ago. They became the national directors in charge and overseeing all of the vineyard churches in UK and Ireland. And they've, they've uh, handed over the reins to John and Debbie Wright, who are their long-term uh, friends, who lead the Trent Vineyard Church. And so that all happened yesterday. She's at the service yesterday. Uh, we're really excited to, that Debbie Wright, who uh, is new national director, will be our guest here um, in May time. And she'll be our guest speaker. So we'll look forward to seeing her and hearing from her then. But uh, did anyone watch the commissioning service online? Yeah, you did. Yeah, good. Well, I didn't know it was on until I saw that you were kind of watching and listening to it. So I got home and I kind of caught the last bit of it. As they, they had, it was such an amazing thing, you know, a really brilliant way of imparting leadership and passing on the baton to another. It was really, really well done. And they had John and Debbie at the front and they prayed for them, they laid hands on them. It was amazing. And then they called forwards any of the pastors, any senior pastors or pastoral staff from other vineyard churches to come forwards. And uh, then they prayed for those guys. And as they were doing that, it was like, uh, almost like taking on vows of uh, the values of the Vineyard Church. And they were saying, you know, um, we, we believe in the importance of the scriptures and the teaching of the scriptures and worship. And after each kind of statement was read, it was very Anglican actually, it was wonderful. Um, as, they, as they read out these things, the, the, the guys who come forward, the pastor come forward, were basically saying, we will. It was like when you get married and stuff. It was like, yeah, we will. We agree with that. We will. And it was funny because I had my iPad here and I had it set up uh, beside the modem at the front door of our house where our modem is because it kind of gets the best signal so I could watch it. So I was kind of on the one hand watching it there going, we will, we will. And on the other hand, I'm looking into the living room as Japan are beating South Africa at rugby. <laughs> so one minute I'm like, we will go on, go on. You know, he was watching the right. That was amazing, wasn't it? Japan, who would believe it? Who would believe it? So, uh, my boys this morning, we're going to get Japan rugby shirts. How fickle. It's unbelievable. In fact, we've got a divided house. Um, our household, our, our eldest is very wise and he's chosen to support the Red Rose. And uh, yeah, yeah, well, uh, one, two, any more? Yeah, we're just us three then. Four, we're going to start our own life group. <laughs> Anyone want to join? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> so uh, anyway, the rest of the children have decided to go the way of the shamrock and uh, all the rest. When do we meet? Is it the semis or the quarters? The final. I th you won't be going to the final. <laughs> you just knew it was going to be spoken at some point this morning, didn't you? Anyway, shut up and let's get on with it. Um, 
We, we uh, began our conversation last week on this whole area of discipleship. We're going to continue that this morning. In fact, the, the ladies here did a stunning job doing it because it really encapsulates a lot of what I want to say. It's about being together. It's about being with Jesus and being with one another. But a very quick recap. Uh, we said last week that the, 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 the goal is to go and make disciples. Right at the end of Matthew, uh, Jesus is going to be with the Father. He's saying, go into and make disciples. That's our goal. That's the family business. That's what we're about. But the question really that we need to be asking of ourselves is, what kind of disciples are we making? Because we're making them. And everyone is a disciple. Because remember, a disciple is a follower. A disciple is a pupil. And... And it's whoever we're following or what we're following, that's the key thing. And so the question that we're asking ourselves this morning and then in the next few weeks is, well, what kind of disciples are we, follow, are we creating? A disciple is someone who lays down their life. That's what we said last week. And it is someone who is meant to change the world around them. Discipleship is intentional, should be, and is incredibly relational. And it's that that I want to pick up this morning. Disciple is a pupil, someone who learns. And I want to throw this out to you now as a question. What traditionally in churches is our primary or our most important aspect of of teaching and learning? When it comes to being a follower of Jesus, what aspect of church life do we normally associate with teaching and learning? What what point of of church do we do that? It's this bit right now, isn't it? It's the preaching of the word and the teaching of the word. That's what's important. And it is important. I am not belittling that at all. But here's the thing. If this is your only bit during the week, I would argue that that's not enough. In fact, Paula said it, didn't she, this morning? She said, I, you know, I come along to church and I get that. That's almost like the pick-me-up. But I realized it just wasn't enough. And I would agree with her, it is not enough. I have a good friend of mine who uh, sometimes teaches, uh, teaches preaches in, in another church. And, uh, and, and he's a very intellectual kind of tremendous communicator, a really good Bible teacher, in fact. And I was chatting away to him one day, and, and he told me that he spends about 30 hours preparing a sermon. I was like, mate, that's crazy. I was like, I know that this moment is really important. And it's really important that what we communicate is good, is true, and uh, is relevant, and is life-changing. I was like, mate, 30 hours. What is the point in spending 30 hours to prepare a 30-minute sermon that tomorrow morning you'll remember maybe 5% of what's just said? Teacher's hat on again. I'm really missing it. Teacher, if the inspectors came in school tomorrow and they went to the classrooms and they witnessed teachers talking to the classes for 20 to 30 minutes, they'd be slaughtered. Because that's not how education works. That's not how teaching works. That's not how learning works. I'm looking at the teachers. We're nodding. Wouldn't that be true? You'd be crazy. And right now, I am teaching and you are meant to be learning. But I am teaching to auditory learners. Again, the teacher's heads on. You know what I'm talking about. Three ways of learning. There are the auditory learners, those that sit and listen. 
Chantelle is an auditory learner. She loves, she could listen to someone talking for hours and she'll write notes. She's absolutely brilliant. Phil Shaw, who was our lovely gifted worship leader, is not an auditory learner. I knew when I looked his direction and the old head was down, I knew it was coffee time. In fact, that was like five minutes and it was coffee time. Why? That's not his fault. It's because he's, he's probably a kinesthetic learner, a learning through doing kind of person. Maybe he was a visual learner. We learn through looking. Okay, and so I guess the point that I'm making is this. You've already got it. This is important. And what I'm about to say, I hope, is helpful. But it's not enough. We learn better through doing, by being, and by seeing. And it was the Jesus way. It was the Jesus method. Jesus came to make disciples. And he invited them into relationship. These are the words that he spoke. When he invites Andrew, Simon, James, and John, he says, come follow me. When he meets Philip, he says, he says follow me. And Philip tells his mate, Nathaniel, and he invites him saying, come and see. And when Jesus invites Matthew, he says, follow me. Jesus was simply inviting people to follow him and be with him. And it kind of went against the day, um, the kind of education system or the religious education system of the day. Because uh, for those folks, it was a case of um, uh, being with a scribe and they would impart the, 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 the scriptures to them and it would be very much an educational kind of basis. Whereas Jesus was simply saying, come on lads, let's go on mission together. I'm going to look at Nathaniel, I'm going to look at Matthew. We're going to look at um, the way that Jesus approached them and what he was doing with them. Calling of Nathanael, we're in John 1, 47 and 48, says this. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Jesus sees and declares, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. In other words, he's saying, he's a good lad. He's all right, that one. That Israelite, he's, he's, there's no deceit and he is, no, he is not a wrong one. He's a good one. That's what he's saying right there. Because he sees. He not only sees him under the fig tree, but he sees into his life and into his heart. And Jesus has seen him and something of Nathaniel has caught Jesus' attention. And I would say this to you. Is learning to see with the eyes of the Father. Where are you at work, God? Where are you at work? I would ask, you know, I'm going to talk a load more and you're going to go, oh, that was okay or that wasn't okay. And you're going to go away. Remember this. Go away after today and ask the question, where are you, God? Where are you at work and where do you want me to be? If you forget the 95%, remember that 5%. Jesus says to him, you believe because I told you, I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, 
you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on him. Jesus calls it out on him. He sees it in Nathaniel and he calls it out. Now let's look briefly at Matthew, a very different character. Very, very different character to Nathaniel. We're in Luke 5, 27. Calling of Matthew. It's actually Levi. But it's the same guy. So most scholars think. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi, or Matthew, sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet of Jesus, for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Again, we see Jesus sees Matthew at the tax collecting booth. He sees him. He's going about his day and he sees him. He uses his eyes. He opens his eyes. And he's a, and he is something about his attention just catches his attention. And we go about our lives every single day. We go from this place to that place and all the rest. And we're, we, we've got stuff to do, right? We're on a mission. <laughs> we've got to get to Tesco's. We've got to get to work on time. We've got to get to class. We've got to do what, all that stuff. But along the journey... I'm encouraging you, open your eyes. Open your eyes and ask your Father, where are you? What are you about? Because Jesus sees Matthew. And Jesus calls Matthew, follow me. He was collecting duties, this is Matthew, uh, on behalf of the Roman Empire from farmers or merchants or caravans that would have passed through. And Matthew would have already paid the taxes to uh, the Roman Empire in, in advance and then would have collected it from citizens. Tax collectors were not popular people. They were one of their own. In that culture and society, they were renowned or notorious for corruption because they took more than they should. They were therefore wealthy and uh, they were frowned upon or not loved by other Jews around them. They were seen very much by others as sinners of the day. But Jesus sees what's on Matthew to do. Jesus sees the potential in him. And he sees that in Matthew's ability and his skills to be accurate with record keeping, with the monies, that that same accuracy could be used to scribe 28 chapters of the first gospel of the New Testament. Because that's what he did. Jesus sees it. When we look and we see people, and we see the brokenness in people, sometimes we could be accused for just, that's all we see. But no, we see something else. As I'm watching this morning, I'm listening this morning, I see two ladies here who articulate brilliantly what God's done. So actually, Whilst it's really important to hear the story and to listen to that, that God has done, that's incredible. 
But the thing that's nearly more exciting is an ability to be able to communicate in that way. And that's what we must see. And that's what we must steward. And that's what we must encourage and draw out of. So where are we? I'm losing the front row here. I've lost them. Your auditory learners, you're so used to looking at a screen right there that I've lost you minutes ago. I know I have. That's got Harry's head up. <laughs> Don't pick on me again, Paul. Don't pick on me again. I'll look at you for the rest of the time. <laughs> Sorry. Couldn't help it. <laughs> Jesus sees that there's more to Matthew. He sees that. And he gets loads of stick, doesn't he, from the religious people. Why are you eating with these people? They're sinners. Why are you doing that? And of course, Jesus loves it. He's got this brilliant opportunity to say, it's not the healthy I've come for, it's the sick. They're the ones. Jesus invites Matthew to be with him, but Matthew invites Jesus to be with him. You see that? Jesus says, follow me. The next breath or the next words, he's at Matthew's place for dinner with all the others. Why? Because Jesus wants to be with him. He wants to be in relationship with him. We are called to go, and we are called often to go to people and places where it may cost our reputation. I'll say it again. We are called to go to people and to places where it may cost our reputation. Rahab, the prostitute, she was the gatekeeper to the city and the men of Israel had to run the risk of losing their reputation by spending time with Rahab, the prostitute. Why? Because she was the gatekeeper to the city. And there are gatekeepers to our city. There are people in our town and in the other towns that we live in and that we come from that are the prominent people the people of position, the people whose, if we spent time with them, may cost us our reputation. But Jesus is calling us to go spend time. Jesus is calling us and he's inviting us into relationship with these folks. Why? Because the way to the city is always through the broken. It's always. It's always. And we must go. We must go. So, I was asking that question um, a week ago or so. And I was saying, God, where are you at? Where are you at right now with church? Where are you at right now? Where are you working in terms of my life and relationships? And one of the things that I really think God is, is uh, it was obvious, is, is in the area of running. And my apologies if I bore you with these things. But I, I just think, you know, for me and for us, being involved in that thing, the running race a couple of weeks ago, was such a, a God thing. And it was such a simple thing. I just thought, goodness, you're on that God, aren't you? And so, so how do I steward that? I get to go running. Isn't that brilliant? Because I like that. But being intentional about it, going and doing park runs on Saturdays, going and running with the guys in the running club, and just beginning to build relationship and saying, God, who are you on? Who are you, who, where, where are you working? And going to those places, not just to treat people like gospel fodder, by the way, but to see them as people and to see you're at work there, God, aren't you? You're in that. 
So I'm just going there. I'm just going to be there and see what happens. Say, oh God, what are you going to do? And I'm encouraging again, go. Go to the places where he already has you. Because you're already in the places where he wants you. But there could well be some other places and some other people that he's actually inviting you saying, come on, come on. I, I'm over here. And I'm asking you to go there too. Why? To make disciples. To be with him, but to be with others. This whole thing of discipleship is about learning from another. And we have things to offer. We have things. We have him to offer. I had a revelation, and I'm going to finish with this, Harry. Um, during the summer, I was reading this book, and uh, it was really, really brilliant, uh, really super book. And uh, as I was reading it, he, there was this guy who's being really honest about himself. I thought, goodness, that's me. And the lines of the book was along the lines of, he came to the revelation that people actually want to be with him. And I actually thought about it. I thought, do you know what? I, I think I give myself a hard time. I'm sure there's loads of us like that. I'm sure there's just loads of us. But I, the more I thought about it, I thought, actually, people want to be with me. People like, I think people actually like me. <laughs> Not everyone. <laughs> sure there's a few people that have a few things to say about me. I just thought, you know, people are actually drawn to me. People want to be in my presence. That sounds so egotistical, doesn't it? I've deliberately said it like that. I've deliberately, it's in there. What have I said? This sounds absolutely outrageous. Like I totally love myself. So let me explain. That's in my notes right there. Promise, promise, you can see it afterwards. People are drawn to you too because of who we carry. If we know and we love Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside us and people are drawn to the light. People are drawn to it. They want to be with you. Whatever you think about yourself and you disqualify yourself and you, you're not good enough or you're not spiritual enough and all that rubbish. Because that's all that is. That is just rubbish, right? He, people are drawn to us because of who we carry. And it's about just being salt and light. And it's inviting people into relationships, saying, come, come. Come and meet a man who change your life. Because he will. And we're done. What time have we? What should we do now, Harry? What do you want to do? Get coffee? Let's, let's lead ministry. Come on. I'm serious. Come on. Come on, lead ministry with me. All right? This is Harry. He's a good one. He's a good one, this one. There's no deceit in this one. <laughs> Maybe his daddy. Definitely. <laughs> right. I, this is not in the notes, by the way. And I'm sorry if I'm picking on you. I'm not. Well, I am a wee bit. All right. <laughs> We're going to pray. Okay. 
let's stand. I'm being totally serious in this. We are going to pray. And you're going to pray with me. Yeah. So in this moment, let's just... um, Let's just be open to what God wants to do in us first. Because he has to do it in us first before he can use us. And so we just invite you now, God, just come. Come, Holy Spirit. 